DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Mark Miller, DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time to welcome Ken Pomeroy back to the show, college basketball expert, owner of KenPom.com. Ken, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, am I in the original or the initial or the normal Joe Ingles spot here? Is that correct? Uh, this would be early for Joe. He might okay. do an 830 appearance. He tends towards right. the 845, 850, or 905. All depends on the okay. schedule, which usually depends when he has to drop his kids off. So there you go. He All has right. gone as early as eight, yeah. So, Ken, well, I don't I want, want to, say, to... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, in honor of Joe Engel, it would be really cool to get ejected from, from something. <laughs> okay. Keep it up, Ken. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you can eject me from this uh, interview at some point. Out of here! <laughs> uh, we don't want to bore people with your whole backstory because a lot of people know it, but there are people listening who don't know that you have uh, cooked up a, uh, a formula to assess and rank all 350-whatever, wherever we are now, college basketball teams in Division One, and you got so good at it that the folks who do the NCAA tournament, the actual basketball committee, started using it as one of their data points as they try to seed the tournament. You've done it for a long time. You've come on our show. You've talked about stuff. Nobody gets them all, but you get a lot of stuff right. And I know you got a lot of confidence in your system, but I'm curious how much your system is tested and how much your confidence wobbles this year because teams are playing, they're stopping, they're starting. Uh, teams are playing without some players, so they're not at full strength. How much does that really wreck what you're trying to do? And, and how much do you think there's enough information you'll get to March and have a really good idea what's going on? Well, it, it is annoying. I will say it is an annoying issue that, uh, you know, games are getting canceled or teams play at partial strength. And my system was never never designed for the kind of uh, uh, roster changes that are, are happening kind of on a weekly basis um, this season. But, you know, it was, it was way more of a problem last season. And you could definitely notice. I mean, I, you know, I track the accuracy from day to day of, of all the predictions and – you know, last year there was a noticeable uh, degradation in the quality of the predictions. This year we're actually pretty close to, to normal for a normal year. So uh, I'm encouraged by that. And in general, I think I think it's going to be okay. I mean, we, we're obviously going through a period here where there's, you know, 10 to 15% of the schedule every day is, is being canceled. But it seems like we are rapidly getting to a point where there are fewer like cancellations being announced. Like there's still, you know, like today you look at the schedule and there's a bunch of games that have been canceled, but they were canceled like, you know, six, seven days ago. Like we're, we're not hearing a lot of news, you know, yesterday or today of, of next week's games being canceled. So, um, so I think that's encouraging. I, I think we'll be, I think we'll be in great shape by the time we get to, to March. Plus there are going to be more games played this year than last year. So that, that will help as well. Yeah, I'm thinking, Ken, the, like the Pac-12 has already announced some makeup games. Uh, the Utes are playing at 2 o'clock on Sunday down in Tempe, or Monday, I think it is. So with that in mind, they'll play the games more than likely. So if the system is a little bit flawed now, wouldn't it stand a reason that it would catch up? Yes, it would. And I think that's another, another good point. Last year when we were dealing with cancellations, they were pretty – randomly spread out throughout the year and you know you got postponements or cancellations in late february like you obviously weren't making up those games 
this year I think there's hope that, like you said, so a lot of these games are back on the schedule, and uh, I, I think that, you know, with, with you know, just it's kind of standard common sense here that if uh, a bunch of teams are getting you know getting knocked out here in early January, like you know, they're not going to be canceling games in mid February. So, so I don't know if we're going to end up playing every conference game this year. I think that's probably unrealistic. But you know, you look like even like I was just looking at the WCC and like the most. I think Gonzaga's had like three games postponed or canceled that aren't on the schedule and that's like the most in the league and you know you go back to last year I think like St. Mary's ended up playing like nine games total you know in in conference so we're not going to have a a situation like that this year so that's that's pretty encouraging Ken Pomeroy joining us KenPom.com so let's just stay with the WCC BYU got off to a great start I assume they were an NCAA tournament team and it was just a question of where they would be seated and they racked up some impressive wins early on they still got a good record but they're missing two bigs and they struggle to score, and I'm curious how much wiggle room they have because I think their NCAA tournaments, if I had to guess right now, I'd guess they miss it. I'm, but that means that I'm assuming they're going to lose some ugly games on the road and that that's going to sink them and all that. How much wiggle room, do, how much of a cushion do they have right now? I'd say quite a bit. I mean, the story in the WCC is that obviously you have Gonzaga. They're, they're going to be there, and then you have BYU and St. Mary's and now San Francisco that are chasing bids. And I think, you know, BYU getting the win over St. Mary's um, last week will, uh, you know, certainly put them as the front runner of those three teams. Like the WCC is not getting one bid. You know, they're going to get at least two. They might get three. And if things work out exactly perfectly, they, they could get four. Um, so as long as BYU maintains that foothold as, as the second best team, um, they're a lock. If they, even if it's close, they're going to be in great shape because what they did in non-conference was better than you know anybody else did in the WCC except for Gonzaga. So, um, so I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know what the the cushion is, but obviously if they they lose six or seven games in the league, then they're not in good shape. But here's the thing too: the WCC is it's just it's really set up pretty well for teams to get bids this year. You know. In past years, you you would have this group of teams like ranked between you know seventy five and you know, one fifty or something. And those are teams that you know the NCAA selection committee just kind of disrespected. If you lost to them, it was frowned upon for sure. But those are the types of teams that you can definitely lose to on the road if you're uh, you know not Gonzaga. And those teams really don't exist in the league this year. Like Santa Clara is there, but you know the, the rest of the league is really disappointed. The bottom of the league is 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 worse than it, it usually is. So. Uh, that makes the, you know, the road to avoiding bad losses a lot easier than it used to be, and so I think that will also play into BYU's hands. Project ahead for us and tell us how good the Big Twelve is going to be when they have their new members because they're already really good, but they're adding some pretty good basketball programs. Man, do you see them just being even better? Not even better. Not even better. Can't go there. But the thing is. You know, six at least six of the last eight years, they've been number one, uh, the number one conference in my system anyway. Um, they're going to do that this year uh, easily. Like they're like just far and away the best league in the country. So, um, you know, you take out Texas and Oklahoma, and and those haven't been exactly like the flagship basketball programs in the league, but they've been good. Like, you know, average average programs in that league. We're talking a very good league, and 
you know, you replace them with uh, the teams you're replacing them with, and uh, it will take a bit of a drop. But obviously, like, as long as Kevin Sampson's at Houston, which I don't know how much longer that will be, but um, as long as he's there, you know, you'd expect Houston to be amazing, obviously coming off the Final Four and uh, still had a Final Four team this year, lost a couple of, of their rotation players due to injury for the rest of the season, so it'll be more challenging for them. But um, that program's in great shape. Uh, Cincinnati is, uh, you know, a traditional, you know, solid team, uh, kind of a rebuilding year this year. But, uh, you know, have a great young coach in West Miller, so they'll probably be pretty solid. UCF is probably the weakling of this group, but um, – Again, they've you know really kind of raised the level of their program, and uh, you know they're having a solid year for them. And obviously, BYU is, seems to be on the right trajectory. And you'd think some of that's tied to, uh, to Mark Pope being there. But if you go to the Big Twelve, like you know Mark Pope's probably going to be there. So, so there's still a chance. It's like you know long term the best conference in the country. Uh, it just it, it will take a little bit of a step back. We've got to be honest about that. Has the Pac-12 taken a step forward, even if it's three teams that are doing it and nine teams are watching and taking credit for it and taking a bow? <laughs> right, yeah. So you know, when we talk about leagues, like we just – a lot of times the league membership is a lot more interesting than just you know talking about a, a league average. And uh, the Pac-12 is you know, one of the best examples of that that I've ever seen. Um, it's you know, I think the general perception in college basketball world is that the Pac-12 is bad this year. You know, there was some some expectation coming off the tournament last year that, hey, wow, this, they're going to turn a corner and, and Pac-12 is going to be, you know, back to where it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, in general, that has not been the case. The bottom of the league is is really bad. I have five teams ranked outside the top 100, which is uh, not acceptable for a power conference. And, uh, you know, there's really only three teams that are going to be, like, at-large worthy, it appears. However, those three teams are awesome. You know, like, Arizona has, uh, I think, really been one of the surprises of the season. Like, they did not get many votes in the preseason AP poll. And it's easy to, like, look back on that now and be like, oh, well, we should have known. We should have known they'd be good. You know, a lot of guys coming back, brought in some key transfers, new coach. And it's just all come together and an incredible way for them. Like they're a legitimate, you know, final four type team, UCLA, you know, they haven't necessarily set the world on fire to start the season, but you know, they've been solid and obviously coming off final four appearance with basically everybody back, you know, they're they're a final four contender. And then you have USC, which just, just suffered their first loss over the weekend. But, um, they, uh, they too are going to be a very nice seed, you know, but, um, you know, Andy Enfield has got things rolling there. So, Potentially, you know, a, a one, two, and three seed in the NCAA tournament, or a one, two, and two, or a one, two, and four, something like that. But you're going to have three teams that are all capable and will be seated in a position to make a deep run, despite the fact that, as you point out, the other nine teams are just innocent bystanders in, uh, in this whole situation. We have an NCAA selection committee who makes the seeds and sets up the tournament. Any of these people ever get in touch with you and ask for your advice, your insight? They never do. They never do. And frankly, I'm insulted by that. I mean, the, the most contact, <laughs> the most contact I've had with them, you know, it was about five years ago, you know, they invited a bunch of, a uh, bunch of us guys out there. I don't know what you want to call us. I'm trying to avoid any sort of derogatory term, but um, you know, they invited us guys out there to, to 
advise them on which way that the committee should should go as they were uh you know planning to dump the rpi and move to something uh more advanced to help them select their teams and uh and that was great and i thought i thought wow this is like you know pretty progressive for the ncaa giving a lot of credit and uh you know i had a couple conversations with them after that but really what you know they ended up doing was just kind of going their own way at that point even though you as you mentioned they have you know these six other metrics that they they have at their disposal they you know they created the net rating which is uh you know kind of a a bad a bad copy of my own rating if I'm being honest i mean the, the ratings are are pretty similar the ingredients are slightly different and not exactly clear how it works but but they created that rating and, and that's kind of you know what they what they rely on now instead of the rpi to make their selections and so yeah, I haven't really had any like significant contact with anybody in the NCAA office for you know at least a couple of years, I'd say. Before we let you go, last thing: how many teams from the state of Utah are going to be in the NCAA tournament? If you had to guess right now, well, you know it's a little bit of a depressing topic because I think three or four weeks into the season, like it was looking pretty exciting for. Uh, you know, certainly at least Utah State, who's kind of fallen off a bit. Um, the youth, you know, you never really expected them to make the tournament, but there was like some hope, hey, maybe they could, you know, as bad as the Pac-12 is, maybe they could finish like fifth in this league and, you know, have a have a chance to grasp at some straws, you know, at the uh, Pac-12 tournament or something like that. But those two teams look like they're they're not a factor. So I think we got BYU, and I think we got somebody from the big sky, whether it's uh, – Weaver State or Southern Utah, like they're like the two best teams in that league, pretty clearly. And uh, after that, I guess you can grasp it. Uh, you know, Utah Valley maybe winning the the WAC tournament, but um, I'd go with two. I'd go with BYU and, and whoever comes out of the Big Sky. Ken, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Warming everybody up for Joe Ingles. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I, I really disagree with that call you made though about uh, two hours ago. And I would like to punch you in the face. Can you throw me? Can you throw me out of here? Eddie's out of here. You're gone. <laughs> no, if you, if I have to sit here and watch this game, then you have to sit here and watch this game. I think that was Frank Layden got that one night when he was trying to get thrown out. It was a bad game, and the ref knew what he was doing. He's like, no, you got to sit here and watch this game. And I got it too. All right, thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Ken Pomeroy. KenPalm.com. We'll have him on later on in the college basketball season as it gets closer to the NCAA tournament. All right, the Joe Ingles Show, 15 minutes away. Lots to talk to Joe about, as Ken was just uh, mentioning. Getting kicked out, coming back from COVID, ending up in an ESPN.com story about trash talking in the NBA. We'll get to all of that with Joe in about 15 minutes. Stay with us.